Trey, I'm going to ask. Hit me with it. Into the weeds on NASCAR. We're already going to talk NASCAR tomorrow with our weekly FrenchStretch.com chat around 5.30 p.m. Not sure who yet from Phoenix as that is the destination. Maybe your guy Michael Massey to dish on what happened at Martinsville this weekend if I really feel like getting into the dirt as well as into the weeds tomorrow in the fast lane. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, we might we might end up doing that. You know, so I, in fact, that's probably what we're going to do. We're going to aim for Michael Massey. Then we'll get into the dirt on Trey after we get into the weeds. Uh, so we'll just keep the theme going of doing some digging tomorrow in the fast lane. Which brings us to another great opportunity. So, NASCAR talk, we table that for tomorrow. Remember because, the West Coast time. Just remember that. Yeah, I mean, it, it is West Coast time. Oh, can I plug uh, Happy Hour? Speaking of Michael Massey, he's on that along with uh, the special guest from the uh, Redneck Riviera as well as Peter Stratton. So. You know, can't wait to Happy hear that. Happy out now. It, it is out. Uh, I've downloaded it, but have not listened to it yet, Trey. Full confession here. It's okay, because it came out today. Well, I'm glad to know that I'm not too far behind. Um, meanwhile, Shannon seems to think the ACC may be a little bit behind in getting their scheduling concepts correct. We mentioned this earlier. The ACC has released the principle for the next seven years, 2024 through 2030, of football scheduling. And yes, we laughed at the idea that this would actually even find its way to the end of that tenure before some form of realignment comes and totally throws it into the loop. But theoretically, it's great. Shannon is more snarky or skeptical, and he weighs in with this concept. It's a nice concept, but they'll be right back at the drawing board this time next year. Clemson, Miami, Florida State will bolt for the SEC. JMU App State could be nice replacement pieces, leaving 16 teams in the 2025 ACC. By the way, how would the SEC men's basketball depth look at that point? Um, I don't think anyone's leaving the ACC until the TV deals are back up, so we have time. Um, that I think they pick 2030 as a key date because I think that's when around when the SEC and the Big Ten deal ends. And let's not so kid ourselves. I think that's when we're going. Because so they could have gone to 2036 if they wanted to. They, they could have. Trey, here's the other part that's interesting. You bring up a great point. How likely do you think it is that the ACC, upon releasing this schedule, consulted with Disney, which owns ESPN and ABC, and also the SEC and ESPN. ESPN and ABC carry SEC and ACC games. They split the Big 12 with Fox, who controls the Big 10. And let's cut cut to the chase here. Those are the major properties in college sports right now. Everything else after that, with all due respect to ODU, JMU, Liberty, and others, they are deemed secondary. Not in our eyes, we love football, but in the eyes of the folks that have the primary influence over... Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Which are the network executives. I think you're on to something with that trade. So, Shannon's concept that they'll be right back at the drawing board this time next year, I put the pause on that for a smidge. Now, do I think they're itching to get out? Yes. Do I think by 2030, if not maybe a tidbit sooner, that we will get to the point where schools like Florida State, Clemson, Miami, and others, Tech UVA, North Carolina, and NC State, would all bolt for some other conference? I absolutely think we will get to that point. Because inevitably, it's not... The business decisions are made based on dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Not tradition or anything else. But I'm skeptical on Shannon's timing that next year it will happen. I would think 2027, maybe closer. You're inside that 10-year mark. You could start saying, okay, we're planning to leave by 
2030. And it's close enough where you might be able to negotiate an early exit and start getting this round moving at some point sooner. I'm 100% on board that the ACC at some point is going to fracture and look differently. Uh, But this time next year, I could be wrong. Won't be the first time. Won't be the last. Check out our votes of confidence because, as always, we like to keep receipts. I got receipts. And we do keep those here in the fast lane. But I'm skeptical on that. And besides, JMU and App State being a replacement for the ACC, I mean, look, at some point, you start seeing these conferences fracture and break apart. Inevitably, you may get different variations where it's three 2014-type conferences, the Big Ten, the SEC, and then whatever the Big 12 and the ACC elect to do in terms of merging their biggest brands. I mean, there are all sorts of ways this thing can be melded together. And I go back to what Sports Business Journal has reported, and that is that the, the... ESPN, ABC, Disney execs, and Fox execs have spoken with the NFL, and the idea has been floated about of the NFL helping create some kind of concept for a super conference, which could be a minor league for football. I absolutely could see that end up happening and would never put it past the NFL to engage in calculated risk. So I'm not saying Shannon is totally off with this concept of scheduling. I'm merely saying perhaps the timing is a little bit off in terms of what he has had to say. Um, Zach has chimed in on our thoughts regarding the Pittsburgh Steelers and our affinity for Mike Tomlin, particularly using this soundbite. The standard is the standard. The standard is the standard. Something we used, by the way, for our Thursday thoughts at Fast Lane Ed Lane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram last week. But Zach, on our affinity for Mike Tomlin, and I'll own this, it's more mine even than it is Trey's, but his comment is, The standard set of winning Super Bowls is long gone. The Steelers have many talented teams the last 11 years, and Tomlin has massively underachieved. Winning three playoff games in the last one or so years, 11 or so years is what he means to say, typo there, but winning three playoff games in the last 11 or so years is pretty awful. Overrated coach whose hand is in everything. Um, I can understand that from a win-loss standpoint for Zach. I know a lot of Steelers fans have their own issues with Mike Tomlin and what he's done or not done during his time there. But I will flip this around in a couple of ways and just say this. Business is business in the NFL. But the way Pittsburgh went on with Big Ben the last couple of years when he was not the same player physically that he was in his heyday, it's a Steeler way kind of deal. They easily could have gone with the old, God rest his soul, he's one of the best coaches and management execs of all time. But Bill Walsh, fan of his theory that the score takes care of itself. You don't focus on the scoreboard, you focus on the process and and it takes care of itself. Big fan of that theory, by the way. But Bill Walsh's principle was, we'd rather get rid of a guy a year too early than a year too late. For the Steelers, there are certain guys that they will skirt that theory in favor of keeping them around because they are... OKGs, our kind of guys within the club. And let's call a spade a spade. That's kind of how it was in the last couple of years of Ben Roethlisberger. I'll add this one in there as well, of the idea of Mike Tomlin underachieving. How in the world do you defend Mike Tomlin or or criticize this theory for Mike Tomlin? And again, by the way, thanks to Zach for his points. We always appreciate them. It's good points. We love when more of them come out. But... Yes, they had talented teams the last 11 years in Pittsburgh. No doubt about that. But how beneficial was that talent, realistically? Because they had the killer bees. Ben, 
Bell, Le'Veon Bell, and Antonio Brown. Ben Bell and Brown. Well, Big Ben, we outlined the concerns of him over the back half of his career. He had a middle portion where he had matured enough and he was physically good enough and he got Pittsburgh to a couple of Super Bowls and that's absolutely to be commended, uh, particularly his second one when I think he had started to turn the corner uh, on figuring out maturity in the last couple of years making runs in the playoffs. But let's take a step further. Big Ben's second Super Bowl and and the one where they lost to Green Bay, I think he kind of started to figure things out and he blended that emotional maturity with physical maturity, starting to figure that out. But then they had Le'Veon Bell. Remember this guy? He was so smart that he's the guy that held out for a year, literally held out for a year and just forfeited $13 million in salary. Never saw it again. Never came close to getting that in a contract. Could have played on that if he signed the franchise tag, but oh no, not willing to do that. I mean, there's a level of basket caseness to that type of player at that time. And do we need to go into everything that Antonio Brown did? For Mike Tomlin to tie it all together and be able to keep that organization winning at a relatively high level, I know they didn't win Super Bowls, and I know it's the standard. Granted, that standard, and of course Tomlin is the one who professed this. The standard is the standard. But that was also established in Pittsburgh back in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s when they won four of their six Super Bowls and there wasn't really the salary cap ramifications of the NFL like there are now, which make it so much harder to win. Oh, by the way, let me throw this in there as well, in defense of Tomlin, when Bell left, never that good. He tied it together at the end of the Big Ben tenure, and when Antonio Brown left the structure of Pittsburgh, oh, it went downhill really fast. The cryotherapy chamber with the Raiders, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, okay, Tom Brady helped keep him in line, but when that wasn't happening, he was with the... Buccaneers and it eventually melted down and he bounced around to a couple of other spots including New England and it never worked out Tomlin kept all that together so I get it I understand your frustration yes Pittsburgh the standard is the standard as Tomlin says standard is the standard of winning Super Bowls but I would 100% say the idea of him being extremely overrated I would actually say you can make the case that he's underrated for what he's done And it piggybacks off to something that Jeff chimed in with as well. He asked us a couple of questions, um, one of them being about the Steelers, and that is, what are the chances that Pittsburgh ends up getting Byron Leftwich as offensive coordinator to replace the embattled Matt Canada? I absolutely can see that happening because Tomlin is not likely to fire guys in season. It's not the Steeler way. Mock it all you will. It's proven effective over time. But Mike Tomlin is also not so stubborn that he won't get rid of guys for underperforming at some point in time and make changes in the offseason. I get the concern about Canada, the lack of development of Kenny Pickett. That's on Canada when you're hired to help develop him. And Pittsburgh may have to go back to the well again to find the right quarterback. But I see a path to Byron Leftwich because he's out of the league. He'll get another crack at being an offensive coordinator, probably not a head coach, but Pittsburgh's a spot. You know, by the way, Tomlin will give guys like that a second chance as coaches. And I like what Leftwich has done the majority of his tenure, unlike Canada. Thanks for the feedback. More of that to come. Fast Lane Ed Lane, where you listen to podcasts and Facebook, Twitter, Instagram.